All right, here we are. We are live. This is the back channel for the hack chat. Um, I will put the um, YouTube link for focus in hack chat. And then also um, I'll put some links for other folks here. So Lady Ada, Jeff, me, we are on video. So how about while uh, the hack chat spins up, y'all introduce yourselves. I'll say hi later too. Lamore, why don't you start? Hey, hi, it's me, Lady Ada. Um, I'm here at my desk and I've been doing a lot of floppy hacking lately. Uh, if you can't get chips, you might as well uh, go for stuff that's uh, not available because it's no longer made and hasn't been for 10, 15 years um, because it's all the same then, right? It's like, why use the most modern when you can use the oldest? Um, so having a good time here, uh, you know, partnering with me is, is Jepler. I will introduce um, themselves in a moment. And um, we've just been kind of having a good time um, exploring what you can do with uh, fast, low-cost microcontrollers to read very, very low-density um, media um, by taking advantage of their peripherals and large amounts of RAM. So it's a good time. And I'm also, you know, I've got lots of floppy disks here, and I'm learning a lot. There's Floppy disks are um, more complicated than you'd think. Uh, when I first uh, started, I was like, ah, how hard could this all be? Um, like it was hard and then it wasn't hard, and then it's back to being hard again. So that's that's what we're up to here at The Fruit. Yeah, um, I, I'm sure what we'll do is, and I'll uh, pop over to the, the different chats and line up some of the questions that I see in the comments. You know, the first thing that we'll probably do is have to say like, you can't just get a USB drive from Amazon and <laughs> and read a and read these discs. Um, but anyways, uh, Jeff, why don't you introduce yourself and then I'll, I'll do me at the end. Yeah, uh, I'm Jeff Epler. I live in Nebraska and I work with Adafruit mostly on CircuitPython, but Lamore pulled me in for this floppy project, I guess, because she knows I have a, a retro retro in my heart. Although, um, full disclosure, in about 2005, I got rid of all my old Commodore stuff, including you know the computer itself, the floppies. So uh, one big uh, fun thing about this is I can go on eBay and for research purposes and work purposes, pick up old software I remember fondly. Um, yeah, so um, I don't know. That's what I can tell you for now. Okay. Uh, I'll uh, start with me. I'm going to cycle out some of the images in the background. We have some cool rabbits with floppies and stuff like that. Um, I'm Phil. I'm the managing director of Adafruit. I'm also the founder of Hackaday. I designed the, the logo. Maybe I'll talk about how the logo was almost a floppy sort of back in the day, but I have nothing to do with Hackaday now other than being a fan and uh, helping to run this video chat behind the scenes. What I will do is um, I will pop over to the hack chat once in a while and just put it here so you can see what's going on. I have put the links in the, the video um, chats and then um, here is Discord as well, because uh, this is, you know, why not make it even more complicated? And then this is my desk right now, where you can see some signed floppies from uh, Woz, um, Steve Wozniak. Um, there's a signed floppy from the movie Hackers, um, 9X Freak. And then I have a little mini collection over there. If there's time later, maybe I'll show it. It's like some, some hackaday of yester, yester, your yesteryear um so we'll see how see how that goes and then uh i've decided to try to make everything extremely complicated with my setup and so i can do all these things at once lady ada will be telling me things to um show on the overhead so i will try to do that including things like hey look you know a pair of floppy socks 
floppies on it. I also have floppies. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll do that and more. So we'll see. <laughs> so we'll see I did things. not expect to see that many feet on this hack chat. That's a little interesting. Yeah. This is uh, this is our new. This only is Wiki fans. feet. I don't know this if you our, did that. This is our new <laughs> OnlyFans. Jeff, show them. <laughs> okay. Your toes. So let's. Uh, not today. Sorry. Let's uh, let's hit the chat um, on the hack chat chat because I have to make sure I I uh, specify. So I think we should start with uh, the first person says uh, getting more rare. I'm currently on the search for a lot of drives, and it's getting harder to get them. Um, so Goodwill, uh, flea markets. I think they're I think they're out there. I mean, there's millions of disk drives millions that were made millions and millions and millions but i think people don't recognize that they're of some value um and so i i think that they'll always be available i don't think it's ever going to be like impossible to get sort of your common five and a quarter and three and a half drive um because i think especially um and it's a little bit morbid but like as there's estate sales um for a lot of uh baby boomers there's gonna be a lot of old computers that make it into um, eBay and your local uh, thrift store. And I think that's where you'll, you'll keep seeing a trickle of them. So I don't think, and I'm not worried about them being available. Like Apple II drives are like surprisingly easy to get. I mean, again, like a lot of these were made, a lot. Yeah, so here's, uh, you know, Deshipu uh, is, is in the hack chat. Um, so he has his, Said, you know, make sure you get a USB floppy drive. Um, we should just we should just start off with why don't they work? So uh, we could put that in the chat. Why don't USB floppy drives always work? They kind of work, actually, which is a little bit sneaky. Um, so uh, USB floppy drives are actually laptop floppy drives with a small controller board. Um, I have one here, so I can I can show yeah. it off. Make sure you Hold just on. make sure you just. Uh, um, there she goes. Okay. Hi. Make sure make sure you also post in the chat the hack chat that is. Yeah, but maybe maybe if one of you can can do it while I'm showing this off because I have to share my stream. Okay, so this is a um, a floppy disk drive. USB. So inside, there's this little adapter board. And this is kind of like a special chip that's like an ASIC chip. And, um, you know, it's a no name. You know, maybe I could, I looked for a data sheet. I didn't spend too much time on it. But basically, it connects with a 26-pin floppy cable for laptops. This is a laptop floppy drive. That's uh, why it's thinner. But it's still like a standard. This is a Samsung. Like, these are no longer made. But there was, you know, again, hundreds of thousands of these available. Um, the folks who make USB floppy disk drives just get these standard laptop floppies for like your Dell, whatever, ThinkPad. You attach the little um, FPC on there, and then um, this just converts IBM 1.44 megabyte MFM to USB. Now, the thing about this chip is it's very specialized. It's only for IBM 1.44 megabyte MFM formatted floppies. So you cannot ever use this to read GCR um, floppy disks like those from um, Max, old Max, and I think there's a come. There's I don't know every format. I know there's like a, there's tons of like weird Amiga history, but you can't you cannot ever use these for those. Um, however, if you remove this board, 
this uh, floppy interface is a Shugart 34-pin standard interface. It's just like in an FP, yeah, FPC. So you can remove this part and replace it with um, some of the circuitry that Jepler and I have been working on, and it'll work just like a floppy drive. Um, it's just a little bit exposed. So this is standard floppy. This is non-standard, and this is restrictive. Um, I've also found that this is a little bit flicky, and it's not, it doesn't, you know, you um, obviously can't use this for reading the low-level flux. So if you have a damaged diskette, this can't help you. Like, it's, it's, it does what it does, and it's like you can't reprogram it, and you can't tweak the timings, and, and it's very restrictive. So it's like if, you're, if you have perfect IBM 1.44 megabyte floppies in excellent condition, and everything's wonderful, and you don't need flux level, yes, you can use a USB floppy, but it's not, it's not for archiving. Like, you can't. You can't get flux transitions out of it without a different hardware, and you can't read non-IBM MFM formatted diskettes. Yeah. So, uh, for instance, the Prince floppy um, that doesn't work with a yes, that's USB a drive. that's a Mac 800K, which is one of the most horrifying floppy disk formats that I've encountered. Um, it's it was designed for a disk drive that could rotate at different speeds. And it's a triangular format, like the Commodore 64 that Jepler has been working on. Um, and I can show, hold on, I can remove this and then stop that. Add, hold on, <laughs> it's very exciting how hard it is to yeah. open up my Grease Weasel output. So this is the output of, of the, the CLI tool we use to read floppies. And you'll notice like, all the dots are good sectors, and these are non-existent sectors. That's because on the inner ring of the floppy, right, there's less material, so they have fewer sectors. Um, and what that was actually the other way around. It's you can fit more on the outer sectors on the outer ring because there's more material. Um, Mac and uh, some other formats like the Commodore 64 did this. They made triangular. You know, there's more on the outside. There's more sectors on the outside. Um, but it, you know, Apple did this weird trick where they spin the disc at a different speed, depending on, um, the sectors. And, uh, I think Commodore 64 just, um, just packed more, um, into their, their soft sector format. So yeah, like this is the kind of stuff that again, a USB floppy drive cannot deal with at all. It's like, what do you mean you have a different number of sectors? They're in this weird ass format. I give up. And so, um, it's scary because people take their old floppy disks that are not, you know, these 1.4, 4 yeah, megabyte. And they plug them in to a USB floppy disk and they're like, oh, it says unreadable. It's like, no, 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 just that controller can't read it. The floppy drive actually can probably read it just fine. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is the five and a quarters. Is, the, the other okay, yeah. So the Commodore format, as I understand it, they spin it at a constant, I think, 300 RPMs, but the low level, um, I think they have a shift register to capture the flux. And at any rate, there's something that can operate at one of four different bit rates, and they change that dynamically rather than changing the rotational rate dynamically. Yeah. And then we also have these 8-inch ones. So obviously, there's no USB drive for this. This is a gigantic one. And I'll, uh, I'll have, a, I have to have a human head for a scale. Good. Head, head size. That's a big boy. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize the um, the uh, sector, the index pulse was up there. There's two. Because these, these are hard sectored. So, they, you know, they have maybe two different. Uh, one is the index pulse and one is the um, 
sector indicator. So there's, there'll probably offset slightly. So there's like, you know, whatever, eight holes for the sectors and one hole for the index. Uh -huh. Like, why not have more holes? <laughs> All right. So uh, in the chat, there's a question a little more. Could the flux thing be done with an oscilloscope? That's 20 megs RAM. You, you could, um, but um, there are... <laughs> You'd hate, you'd hate it, and um, you know you have to watch for the index policy. It, it, you could do the logic analyzer. Um, you know you'd have to control a couple pins. You have to put it into. You have to turn the motor on and enable it. Um, but you could do it. Um, you know I think the thing that's tough is you want to sample at um, example. Twenty uh, megahertz is actually a very good number for sampling. Um, but then you'd have to get it in and you'd have to like format it. So it's almost easier to use a microcontroller in my opinion. Um, but you, you could use a logic analyzer or an oscilloscope if you're, if you're desperate, but you'd have to like write the script to, to get that data and like do something with it. And then, you know, stepping through the um, index that to the tracks, like the, before you know it, like you've turned your oscilloscope into a microcontroller with the microcontroller, you might as well just use a microcontroller. Yeah, that's true. At first I was thinking, Oh sure. You just have to get the trace over the network or USB or whatever, but yeah, you got to move the drive 80 times. You got to switch the side 160 times before yeah. you're done. So you still need a micro for something. Or maybe you dip, you use dip switches. I don't know. I mean, you, you could do it, right? Yeah, you you absolutely could. Absolutely could do it. I just don't I just don't feel like it. It's just easier for, you know, it's it's just easier to use a microcontroller cuz again, every oscilloscope will, will vary a little bit. Um, you also need pull-ups and stuff. So yeah, like I said, it's you basically need a microcontroller. You might as well use a microcontroller. Yeah. So uh, Dan asks about the the sector sensors that they were optical, and that's correct. Yes. You want to hold up a? Sure. Let me let me turn this one around so we can see the hole. Yeah. There we go. No, it just went past it. <laughs> I know you gotta like precision you... here. See. How so come you turn it just you... a little bit? How come whenever you open the disk, it never has the index sensor there? Like it's a you good question. Have... We should implement stop spindle on index pulse. I wonder if three and a halfs don't have a hole. They use they use this thing, I'm assuming. This is the index. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought that was what it grabbed to rotate. I oh, think yeah. so too, but I don't see uh I don't see a you hole. Know, I have a I have a clear disk here. Maybe we can look at that on the uh, the overhead. Let me uh, pop That's a over good to question. that. Sneaky. I don't know. Actually, I've, you know, I've seen the index hole on the, the five and a quarters for sure. And then those eight inch ones have um, lots. So, give me an idea what we're talking about here. I don't know how helpful this will be. Brum, 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 brum. Well, now I want to tear open my drive and start looking what the sensor looks like. As you can see, yeah, this I'm, is one of the clear I'm, I don't. I couldn't see one on my three, three and a half, which is, you know. There's definitely you, an, an index pulse comes out of the drive. That's all, all I can tell you for sure. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's tiny. It's weird. I never thought to, like, look for it because that was never an issue. I had more issues with index pulse location. Oh, you, you know, I bet uh, Deshipu has it. The, the That uh, mark that you were talking about that lets it grab it, you would just put the sensor on the, the rotating spindle. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I think. I, I think. I think that's. that's I, I didn't understand that at first. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no. There's no mechanical punched hole into the media. Is what I'm saying. 
But if you have it, do you have a five and a quarter you can hold up with a with a hole in it? I don't know if you did that while I was. Yeah, yeah, I did do that. But yeah, what so whether the sensor within it could be any technology, whatever they liked, but optical's probably cheap and reliable. It's a, it's an optical sensor. There's some reflected sensor. Um, some disk drives like the um, the Apple II famously does not have an index sensor. Um, it's purely soft sectored, uh, which also uses a copy protection method, and it was uh, it was a cost saving measure. Um, Commodore as well. Yeah, they're like, well, let's leave just leave the index sensor out because like that you know we'll make it a couple bucks cheaper. They were really focused on trying to get it down to like you know a couple hundred bucks. Um, so these are you know sugar drives with with a bunch of stuff removed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, I don't see why they need it. You, you could do, you could read MFM off of a DOS floppy without looking at the index pulse at all because the sectors mark themselves. Yeah, that's but, I think their 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 philosophy. I mean, I think the index it kind of doesn't make sense. Like once you you know, why do you actually need an index pulse? It's not, it doesn't seem that essential. Um, I mean, with, with hard sectors, yes, I get it. But like, it is a little bit unclear. Like, was it to, um, I guess it's to like, just calibrate the drive speed. Maybe the drive motors weren't very good. And then um, maybe on the Apple II, I don't know how they calibrated the drive speed or maybe they just said like, fuck it, you know, the drive speed is calibrated on the motor, not on the, the floppy mm -hmm. disk. Yeah, they seem to be pretty well calibrated. I mean, these drives that I have, which are just eBay of unknown pro providence, they're yeah. they're fine. The software deals with them okay. Mm. All right, I put up the hack chat there. Um, I would say take a look at uh, some of the comments that are going on there. Index pulse needs to get the formatting right. All the tracks align. Um, I was uh, posting up links and stuff. Um, there is a question from one of the other chats. Is there a manufacturer that still makes floppies? I don't know if they're still manufactured, but you can still get them. You can get sealed boxes of floppies still. I mean, yeah. I, got a sealed I got a sealed box of double densities because I wanted to play around with Mac 800K formatting. And that you actually need double density disks um, if, you're, if you're trying to make 800K um, Mac floppy drives. You can't actually use high density disks. It's... Um, like I just, you know, taped over the hole, but the um, density, the magnetic density actually messes with the um, magnetic head on um, non-Mac disc readers. So it's one of those things where it's like, it's, it's digital until it's not. It's actually a very analog um, process and especially, you know, playing around with these Mac 800K formats. Um, it's, you know, you can absolutely read them with IBM PC floppy drives, but not all of the floppy drives and not all of the floppy diskettes, especially if they're, if they're, you know, taped over high density ones. I don't know if this is, doesn't, yeah. Like it doesn't like this because um, the magnetic flux actually is not designed for such long pulses. Um, it's very interesting. Okay, question in the hack chat if you want to answer. Double density floppies read both sides at the same time when reading the data. Um, double sided, double density is just the, the flux density. Um, double sided is when you have a disk drive that has two heads um, and you cannot read them at the same time, 
but you can alternate which head you want to select. There's actually a line on the um, Shugart connector that will um, let you select which side and that's the head. So you select which head you want. Um, not all disk drives are uh, dual head, dual sided, um, like, you know, Jepler was chatting. Commodore and the Apple II and so forth. We're sing mm -hmm. single. Again, for, ch for, cost for price, cost savings. And that's another reason why they didn't have the index sensors. Then you could flip the disk over um, and use the other side, um, which you can't do if you're using an index sensor because now you have to have two index sensors, one on each side of uh, the disk drive. Although I guess they could have put or it in the they, There are double-punched floppies. The core, and you have one, which is very, very weird. And like, it's good. It's good luck. You know, it's like a four leaf clover. <laughs> very unusual to, to see a, um, a double punched uh, flippy disc. Usually yeah, there were, of course, tons of commercially manufactured discs for the Commodore that had data on both sides, but I'm sure they just used a double sided system to do the mastering. Yeah, here's a Commodore drive, by the way, just so folks can oh see. Oh my this. gosh, I can hear how heavy that is. Stop. Yeah. Pull it up. <laughs> yeah, it's bending the light around me. Um, that's how large it is. So, this is the look at this, you know, the, they don't make them like there, stuff, fusing the back and everything. Um, and then, uh, because there's green on this, and I have a green screen going on, you're not going to be able to see that. But this is, this will give you an idea. And then Atari has uh, one as well, not as heavy. Oof. And uh, this is the Atari 1050. I haven't done anything with the Atari discs yet. My impression is they are a lot closer to PC drives, and so the copy protection isn't as interesting. Yeah. We'll find out, though. Yeah, like we're slowly, so like, you know, the first thing we did was get IBM PC formatting, and IBM PCs, MFM, and, and you know, even the later Macs, like I was talking about Mac 800K, because I'm personally emotionally invested in Mac 800K floppies, uh, whereas you, Jeff is emotionally invested in the um, Commodore 64. And um, while we're emotionally invested in those, it's it's easier to get going with IBM MFM format because eventually that won. Um, everyone was like, ah, you know, yes, we could squeeze more into data into a diskette using the triangular sectors and like variable speeds, but you know what? It's easier if everyone just has the same hardware. And um, the disk drives that you can get um, really are optimized for MFM, like at the analog level, the way that they um, read and manage the gain of the flux head is, is dependent on MFM. Like they, they want MFM pulses and they want that kind of formatting. Um, and the cheaper the drive, the, the more specific, the more tuned it was, right? So it's like, you really couldn't use anything else. Um, so what, Jepler has done, which is really cool, is add MFM formatting parsing to CircuitPython, um, which I think is hilarious. So you can actually read the disk as a SD, yeah, like a you kind of like SD made card. It into a into a USB storage device. It's a USB storage device. Yeah, it shows up. We're gonna try to get the icon to look like that, but yeah, and, and the reason yes, you could well, it actually autom Windows automatically puts the floppy disk icon if it's a one point four four megabyte because it's like. Like this. What else could it be? This is an eighty, you know, eighty track, two heads. Okay, like I know what this is. This is a floppy drive. Um, and um, the reason it's so easy is because IBM MFM formatting is the same exact formatting that you use for SD cards. It's this like an SD card to the operating system and a floppy disk are identical. It looks the same in format. Um, five twelve byte sectors, right? Which is funny because it's like 
when you interface with an SD card, you're like, how come we use 512 bytes? Where'd this idea of 512 bytes come from? It's like, that came from a floppy disk. You know, it's like this, these, these things came up with the idea of um, using 512 byte sectors. And, you know, in so far, in the history of time, it's, it's like those stories of like, why are roads, why are trains like this wide? And it like goes back to like, two horse carriages in Rome, right? Like they, they fixed a standard gauge, um, they fixed a standard sector size. Um, so the code, the, 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 the SCSI commands to read and write from a floppy disk and SD card, um, they write the sectors in the same format um, using, you know, FAT, FAT 12 and FAT 16. Before I type this in the in the hack chat, you made that work, uh, the, the USB floppy with the 1.44s and the 1.2s, right? Um, I got it working with the 360K. With the um, 360K, all right. Yeah, it's mostly an issue of like you have to, you have to kind of hard code like if it's a 360K, how many sectors are you expecting? And I just kind of like only had it. I have like I had like one five and a quarter disc, and it was like a 360K. Um, so like I got that working, you know. But I didn't. I just don't have a 720. Um, and I didn't. I, although I do now, I'm going to. I'm going to check. I ordered some double density discs. And I have a 1.2, and so I should be able to get those working. It's just a matter of like you just in the the floppy definition. There's a little table of like how many sectors you're expecting. Um, although we could you know do that dynamically by reading track one and just kind of counting how many. Yeah, sectors we found. yeah. And there's a spot in the boot block, so that very first block which says what the floppy geometry is supposed to be. So a couple different tricks you can try. One thing is we've been it's hard to keep track of all this, so we've been posting like these little videos these little videos. So if you go on our YouTube channel, there's a playlist that goes one by one by one by one by one. Because uh, I forgot that we did the 800K one until I'm like, oh, yeah, we have the thumbnail of it. And it has Lamore Road 800K on it. So that's how we that's how I remember stuff. Um, I'm going to put a link to that in the chat so folks can follow along because we're going to probably keep adding more videos to that playlist. Yeah. As so, soon as so I get Nick the next thing going, I'll do another one minute video for you. Yeah. So Nick has a question about this is this is and this is the thing I'm, I was like if I'm gonna if I'm gonna teach you one thing during this hack chat, you think that the floppy drive would not care if it's GCR or MFM because you would think it's a fl it's flux pulses flux who cares the flux pulse comes out it's the controller that determines how to decode it and that's actually not true, um, it should be true but it's not true, so if you look at um, you know this um, reading, this is a Sony MPF 920. Um, and the Sony MPF 920 is a wonderful disk drive that doesn't care whether it's GCR or MFM formatted. Um, it's very, it's a very fine disk drive. Um, I like it very, very much um, because it's happy to read both GCR width pulses and MFM width pulses are different widths. But if I swap it for my least favorite well, I don't want to say it out loud because I don't want to hurt his feelings. But this Panasonic, in fact, the Panasonic's not too bad, but it's the it's the teak that's actually quite naughty. Um, the sorry, the neck, the neck FD one two three one M. Okay, very naughty drive, very inexpensive because it does not read GCR uh, length flux pulses. Um, it actually freaks out because it was really really designed only to read the two three four microsecond pulse widths of MFM and the automatic gain for the magnetic read head, it can probably write them because like writing is whatever, you just write whatever length you want. But the read head, if the pulses are too short, it gets filters them out. 
And it, when the pulses get too long, um, the automatic game control starts like it, it's, it starts ramping up way too quickly and it starts reading um, phantom flux pulses. So when I, you know, maybe I'll, I'll hook this up and I'll, I'll try a discrete so you can see um, the very short pulses and the very long pulses, depending on where they are in the, the, the length of the triangular tracks won't read, but the middle ones read fine. Um, because the lengths of the GCR pulses don't match up with the, the kind of standard MFM two, three, four microsecond pulses. So it, it should work, but it, it doesn't always, but Sony drives are okay. If you're mm -hmm. lucky enough to get a Sony drive. Where do you pick up yours? In case someone asks. When I get a Sony, um, when I eBayed it, I specifically looked for a Sony drive uh, because I specifically want to read these Mac 800 kits. <laughs> So I'll try, I'll try swapping it out and I'll, I'll see if I can replicate, you know, I, ironically it might just work because it, you know, it does depend on it the does gremlins. Yeah. yeah. Um, I got some of my starter hardware from a local friend and he gave me one Sony and one, is it pronounced Teak uh, drive? I see Teak, but yeah, I don't know. And yeah, I can report the same thing that the Sony will read the Mac floppy uh, with our, uh, our little board and the Teak won't. So just one of those things. Yeah, I mean, Sony, I think, was using some Apple products, so it's not surprising. They're probably like, well, we'll have one controller for all of them. Yeah. Um, and they're probably a little bit more expensive. But, like, if you're if you're selling IBM PC towers for $999, you're going to pick, you know, are you going to go with the, the $25 or the $35 drive? Eh, probably go well, with the $25. Well, do you think that this optimization for the, the two, three, and four microsecond pulses was for achieved, was it for cost savings or was it to make it more reliable? Because I think, the I think second thing the, also occurs to me. I, I think it's a, it's a combination, right? I think that um, it could be that the the game control or the floppy head wasn't you know, the the read uh, sensor wasn't as good, and so they're like, okay, well we have more um, uh, spurious flux pulses, and so we have to have stronger filtering um, to to account for that, and so it's kind of like a side effect. Um, you know, if you have like a very good quality read head, you probably don't have a lot of uh, spurious readings. But if you're going with a cheaper one, I mean, I'm assuming like, I don't know, it would be great to get an NEC floppy. Somebody who will tell you the truth. <laughs> tell you the truth. But if I, if I had to get, I mean, like I, from, from when I was building PCs as a kid, you know, Sony drives were the nice drives and, and NEC drives were not, were not as nice. <laughs> they were less expensive. Um, someone in the chat said, psyched about this work. I have code I wrote in college on some floppies. I implemented RSA encryption when I was a senior in 86. When I was a senior, I ran on a VAX 11780. Yep, VAX MIPS are based on this machine. I'd really like to see how fast it runs on my M1 Mac Mini. Yep. The best day to copy your data off of floppies is today. Yeah. That is 100%. Yeah, because it, it may not be there tomorrow. <laughs> well, when Anil came over and we um, were first trying to figure out if we could get what's off the Prince floppy. Um, we had a USB floppy drive and you pop it in and it's like, oh, makes noise, doesn't show up. Oh, guess guess the data rotted away. Then we had a PowerBook 180, popped it in, worked. And then we're like, oh, this is this requires us to look into what's going on. Because most people, I think, probably do that. And they have floppies that they're about to toss or they try it. They, they have a USB drive. There's a format that's not being read. Um, if it's the, the the real floppies, the the five and a uh, the five inch ones, then you have um, a really big problem because they don't make a USB drive for that. So, 
anyways um yeah for... maybe Jing, um a disc on the nec and then I'll, I'll once it comes up with a graph I'll, I'll show what it looks like to read a gcr um disc on um on a, a non sony sony drive i mean like i think this is important because again if people are imaging floppies um you you know we want to we want to categorize and classify all of these different um, disk drives for like these kind of weird ass formats because it it, it does matter, and um, a lot of you know a lot of these disks are, are going bad because like even the the Commodore sixty four ones especially like I have to clean that head um, every single disk like I have like my my bottle of like ninety nine percent IPA. And I have a Q-tips, and I, I clean the clean the head off because the magnetic um, media flakes off. Like you can hear it; it's it's scratching. And like one disc, if it's if it's flaking off, it can it'll it'll scratch all the discs afterwards. So you have to be very careful. And people don't realize it could be the drive that's bad, not the diskette that's bad. Um, and then I'm gonna just put this because we're gonna be finished with Hackchat soon. Uh, this is probably a good question to answer. How long do you think the data uh, is going to be good? Someone says up to 30 years, it looks like they've it's been fine. Um, I think it's going to depend on all sorts of things, where you live, the humidity, uh, where, how was it stored? Was it crushed? Was it, I'm sure it's five and a quarter is definitely are not going to do as well as three and a half. So three and a half are, I think they're, they're protected a lot better. Um, they come with their own case. And they come with a harder case. I think that the five and a quarters have seen a lot more damage um, to them than the three and a half. So there's just more dust that gets in too. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know the answer to how long is the data likely to be good. But if you get that disk out and put it in a drive, I feel like it should be for archiving it rather than, oh, I'll just see if this game loads and then decide what to do. Yeah, I think move number one is get it in the most durable format you can into your computer. Yes, this is me reading. Um, this is the neck. Maybe it's the Panasonic that had more trouble, but you can see um, as you get to those higher track numbers, uh, you start seeing. You know, these Bs are are bad. You know, I read them with the Sony, and every every track was totally, every sector was totally fine. Um, but even with retries, like retrying five times per sector, especially as you get to the um, higher tracks, and you see it, it kind of starts where the GCR pulses change because the number of um sectors uh start start the changing. number of microseconds of one flux changes yeah, too they start changing and um that's what i'm saying and also you can see there's a difference between the heads um the top head is is tuned a little bit different than the bottom one the bottom one's actually a little bit more able to read um the the sectors correctly so it's it's totally like the 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 concept of oh it's a flux pulse it's a flux pulse is actually not true um, what you're getting out of your disk drive can is 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 filtered data. It's not the raw data. Um, it's gone through an analog stage that is uh, filtering and adjusting what it's reading. And so it, it's not always it's not always trustworthy. Is what I'm saying. The, the drives aren't just drives. Um, they're complicated systems. A um, couple last questions in the hack chat. If you want to check them out, um, looks like. Uh... Someone stored their five and quarters. Uh, what would be the most durable format for storing data at home now? And then um, some folks said that uh, baking the the, uh, the the disk could potentially work. And um, yeah, I guess uh, I'm going to agree. Like uh, SSDs are probably the most I, durable. I think right something now. that is is live and you 
continuously make sure you are copying it onto whatever we're using tomorrow. Um, you know, something that you put away, you don't know the status of it. Yeah. But if you've got like a mirrored SSD or even a hard drive in your computer, you have some warning when something goes wrong, you copy the data around. The only thing that works is to be active and proactive about your data, not say, oh, an SSD will be valid for 40 years, so I'll come back in 35 years and yeah. copy it. That's, that's never going to work. I always uh, like to look at the calendar and say, "Oh, my warranty is going to go on this like MacBook, so I should just, I should just, I should just get another one, back it up, and just put a nail through it, and just at least have that level of control instead of just it happening uh, not expectedly." But I haven't done that. But I think you're right. Like what I've been doing is, I whatever media format I have, I try to cycle it out. Like one is none, two is few, and so I'm always kind of like making sure there's two copies of something. Um, and there's never just one, so I don't know if that helps. Some folks have clay tablets as a uh, storage medium. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Need a lot. All right, Thomas asks, um, can the oscilloscope approach give better chances of recovering old data? And um, the answer is yes, maybe, but only if you're skipping over the that um, drive automatic gain control on the head, right? If the head is unable to read stuff, you can skip over it if you want to and solder directly to the sensor. And like, you'll probably need to put your own, um, you know, gain circuitry on it to to read it. But the, the I feel circuit, like I've read a war story where some guy who was preserving some, some did, guy exactly did do this. it. Yeah, you, you can do it and you can read it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a hell of a lot of work. Um, in theory, you know, if there is one bit errors, um, you can't fix it, like for the GCR pulse thing, right? Like I actually looked at the flux pulses from this NEC drive um, to look at, you know, like what's going on. And I compared the flux pulses from the Sony disc and I could see, like if you do a histogram of the flux pulses, which is actually like the best way to analyze it, because you should see like three sp spikes for the three different, you know, if MFM, you would see three spikes. With GCR, I think it's like, three or five spikes, I don't remember. And you start to see like little bumps in other values. And when you look at like the flux data itself, you could see, oh, if I took these three and added them together, they would be a value, you know, that would be a valid number. So there, there are some, if that's the kind of errors you're getting where your flux pulses are, are weak enough that um, the, the head isn't reading them and so it starts to, it sees maybe multiple inversions or it gets confused. You know, I actually think that there is a, you know, Python plus NumPy, just sit down and just do a lot of statistical analysis and you can glue together and then do the CRCs on, because um, the GCR, there's only a couple of different valid values. It's like four, it's like five bits that encodes four or some four that encodes three or something. You you could kind of like mess around and maybe like um, uh, brute force it to try to figure out what the valid values are. Um, or you could, again, try multiple drives. You're going to get different responses to, depending on them. And I actually found the story I'm thinking of. It's a Hackaday. So I will drop that in the Hack Chat kind of as a way to close this out. Yeah. All right. Yeah, you, you can do it. It's very interesting. Again, it's like when, when I first got you know a, a floppy disk like a month ago, like I, or over Christmas break, I think I got some floppy drives and I started reading data. I was like, oh, it's it's digital data out. What's the big deal? And it's like, <laughs> oh boy, like that was an assumption, you know? Like if ninety nine percent of the time, yes, and then and then one percent isn't. But um, you know, I'm I'm still thinking about that, um, you know, the the floppy analysis for for GCR. But for now, I'm just going to stick with the Sony drive. 
That's it. All right. Thanks, everybody. We had a floppy mm -hmm. time. Phil, do you want to do you want to show off the? Well, yeah. What I thought I would do, yeah. What I thought I would do is um, because I I brought this uh, this hackaday stuff here and this other thing, so I'm just gonna uh, maximize my window here so you can see the uh, overhead. My microphone should still work. Um, and then uh, I'm gonna move me around here so I can actually go over here. So let's see. So all right, y'all can see that. So here is the um, the giant eight inch. Uh, floppy drive that we've got. So this is kind of a monster. Is that the one that is directly powered off of uh, like AC voltage? Yeah. Yeah, for the eight-inch drive, we actually, you know, I got separately an eight-inch um, disk drive holder uh, just because it looked really cool. To be honest, I was like, "This is the coolest." It's like this like big enclosure, but it turns out I actually need it because this runs off of one twenty volt. And I had to get a new belt for this because yeah. uh, the belt was missing. But uh, you can see it has a belt now. And, um, you know, we've got the cable too. And this one I feel like is in good condition. Leaded solder, let me tell you guys, it's like a fucking miracle. I mean, look at this thing. It looks new. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's, it's at least 40 years old. And it's still shiny. And every solder joint is like this beautiful... Um, marking and i think the heads look good too so i think this was this was a good a good find but yeah it's it's uh 120 volt powered and you actually have to um get a different you have to be careful because there's 120 volt 60 hertz and 220 50 hertz and the hertz um is used as part of the timing for the belt so you have to get different belts depending on whether it's a 60 hertz or a 50 hertz uh drive which is very exciting and then uh, part of the collection of weird things. That, that's uh, the that's the eight inch drive cable. So, yeah, yeah, it's an edge a, edge connect. A sign just from Wozniak and then uh, got this clear one that uh, was just kind of interesting when we were buying up some, some things. And then uh, this is from uh, Phantom Freak from the movie Hackers. And then this, because I just had to bring stuff from the wall over here because there were some floppies. This is uh, some previous hack day things. You can see 10th anniversary. It says, uh, here's a badge that we did a long time ago. And then uh, I also got some pins here. So thus concludes the, the tour of the desk here. Oh, yeah, and I think I showed the floppy socks because it's all floppy all the time at the moment. So there's like no processor as we would understand the term today on that old eight inch floppy. It's they, just they have, logic and analog. It's logic, and yeah. Stuff. It's not there's no like microcontroller or, or microprocessor, I don't think. Although the Commodore 64 did, mm -hmm. which is yeah. fascinating. Um, there's a separate chip that reads like what your commands basically and yeah. um, handles your your disk drive reading and writing, which is which is Amazing. The Commodore 64 is like, it, it's a kind of a, a mystical different land of, you know, um, it's, like the, it's like a Madagascar of, of floppy disk design. It's like, okay, I didn't think of doing that, but it's interesting that you did. And like, I'm sure there's a good reason for it. All right. Well, thank you, Jeff and Lady Ada for being part of this. We Thanks did it. everybody who's watching. Yeah. All right. I'll see you. Uh, Later tonight, Jeff.
in the morning. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, keep tune in for later on. We're going to be doing lots more uh, show and tells, no shows, and more. Lots of exciting stuff. Just wrapping up all, right. all that stuff now. All right, back to the floppy. Okay, back to the floppy. Thanks, folks.